We're finishing up our series on Nehemiah. It's been an interesting series. This is a, the last one is titled Renewal. We had repentance, we had restoration. This is renewal. I can't remember. We had another fourth one. Return? I don't know. Um, this has kind of been a challenging one for me because, you know, I'm trying to stay on topic and do a series. You know how that is. And um, the other thing is I want to look at this as a formula for renewal, but you have to be careful to not look at formulas and draw formulas out because you want them. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't know about you, but I look at our country, and I want our country to be renewed, and I want to tell them how to do it, right? Like, I want to be like, do it this way, not this way. Do it this way, not this way. And I have to be careful that I impose my own um, agenda on things and not follow what God is doing. Because I guarantee you guys, God is doing something. Just because we can't see it, we don't understand it, or whatever, it's hidden from our sight. It doesn't mean that God's not alive and well and doing something. It's our opportunity and job to partner with what he's doing, right? And so, you know, I've told you in the past, I've been very careful lately about what I'm putting into my mind when I wake up in the morning because it's very easy to get up in the morning and read what's on social media or, you know, my Epoch Times or whatever I've got coming and pushing into my email and reading bad news before I read the good news of the Bible, right? So I've been trying to discipline myself to remember God first. And the world can tell me whatever second, but that doesn't mean it's the truth. God's the truth, right? Um, as you guys know, I do um, mediation. Before that, I want to talk about this. Did you guys realize that Congress passed the equality bill? This last, the, the House did, actually. It's been passed before in 2019, but not with this degree that it was passed this last week because the Supreme Court between 2019 and this bill in 2021 expanded the definition um, of, of discrimination to include gender and gender orientation, right? And so when they um, passed this new bill, now it's going to actually incorporate uh, the civil rights bill of not discriminating based on gender or gender identity or whatever. And it may impose, here's the problem with it, it may explicitly trump, no pen intended, no pun intended, trump the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. So what that means is, remember that guy up in Denver somewhere who didn't want to make the cake for the gay couple? Do you remember that? And he went to court and he said, that infringes on my religious rights, my religious liberty because I don't believe in that. This now may actually supersede that to where you can no longer say, I'm not going to form a wedding or I'm not going to do X, Y, or Z because that, that um, goes against my religious beliefs. This, this bill they just passed, and it has yet to be passed by the Senate, but this bill that just passed in the House may supersede that religious exemption for people. That, to me, makes my stomach turn a little bit. Does it you? Then also the other day, you know, I did three mediations this week, which is a lot. Usually I do one a week or whatever, but I did three this week for whatever reason. One was a repeat mediation, um, and I came to find out in the course of doing the mediation that they were getting a divorce because they had decided to add to their marriage by incorporating a threesome into their marriage. And, and what happened was one of the partners decided they liked that so much they were going to 
divorce their other partner to, so as to be with, to be lesbian. And I want to say to this couple, as I'm mediating, how did that work for you? Did that work good for you? Was that foray into that particular lifestyle something that gave you life? Did it benefit your family? Is, are you going down the road you want to go down? That's what I want to say. I don't say that. But that's what I want to say to people, right? I can't say that in mediation. I'm going to say it to you, but I can't say that in mediation, right? That's not my job. That's not my place. But that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about what does it take to live a renewed life and why should we care? Why should we care about living a renewed life? The definition of renewal is an instance of resuming an activity or state after an interruption, like as in a renewal of hostilities, the action of extending the period of validity of a license, subscription, or contract, that contract comes up for renewal, or the replacing or repair of something that is worn out, run down, or broken. For example, the need for urban renewal. That's the last one I think that really applies to us. I think we can agree that our country is run down and broken, our lives are run down and broken, our communities are run down and broken. We need renewal not only in in our life personally, but we have to lead the way for renewal for our country and for our society. That's why renewal is important to us. Not only do we get to be renewed, we're actually going to be the forerunners for renewal. If we'll participate with the Lord. Can I get a different cord? Is there a different one I can use? Is this, can you use this one over here? Is this better? Is that better, you guys? Does it still make that noise? No. Okay, so you guys know Chris and I are doing a remodel right now. Do we have pictures of that? Can you put those up? I want to show you some pictures of a remodel. Pray for us. Okay, these are some before pictures. You guys know my kitchen. These are before pictures of my kitchen. You know, regular kitchen, blah, blah, blah. There's my new, there's my new vintage stove. Isn't that cool? All right, go on. Okay, here's our new stairs. Those, don't those look good? Those are, and now here's our, the rest of our house. <laughs> and there's our kitchen. But I want you to notice it's halfway done. It's not all the way done. Is that the last picture? Yeah. That's been hard for us because, you know what, we decided that we wanted to, um, we wanted to change our kitchen so that we could entertain better, that we, it would be more open, it'd be more modern. You know, we're going to have it be a little more updated. Do you like those pendant lights I picked out? That was kind of um, a courageous thing, but I really like that because I'm into vintage. But it's been, it's been undone for like, like a month or so. Yeah, and, and we've got dust everywhere. We're really afraid of what it's going to be like once it's finished because we're going to have to really deep clean. And, you know, I don't like doing that, right? But we're going to have to do that. Will you, Debbie? I would really appreciate that. Here's the thing, you guys. That's been a hard process for us. Like, it's been really hard. We've been in our bedroom, in our media room. That's the only two places we go. We're, and we don't cook. You know, we're eating out all the time. It's been a really hard process. But if we gave up in the middle of this, this is the way it would look forever. Like, we have to persevere and push through and keep pushing till we see the end result. Because you know what's going to happen if we do the end result? We get to have a cool kitchen. 
It's going to bless us. We get to have a place to enter pe- entertain people, and we get to bless other people. We actually get to walk in our destiny of what God's called us to do, but it's kind of a process, and it's kind of hard and kind of messy, right? Because sometimes you have to take the old out and replace it with the new in order to go to the next place. Does that make sense? We don't always want to do that, right, because... Um, that can be kind of painful. That means you have to look at the stuff that's old in your life or the stuff that maybe doesn't line up with the Lord. And we talked about that last time. What does repentance mean? One aspect of repentance is realigning yourself with the Lord, turning away from one thing and realigning yourself to what God has called you to do. So the beginning of renewal starts with repentance. We have to repent. We have to ask ourselves, In what way am I out of alignment with the Lord? What is hindering me right now from experiencing renewal in my life? In Nehemiah, if you remember, Nehemiah is kind of the end of the story of three people, three leaders, if you will. Zerubbabel, do you like that word? Ezra and Nehemiah. Zerubbabel and Ezra. Zerubbabel, is that right, Chip? saying it right? He came back and helped to rebuild the temple. Ezra came back and reinstated worship and the law. And Nehemiah came back and rebuilt the um, wall, okay? But in, we're going to talk about renewal. What happened in that process was these three men felt called from the Lord to gather back the lost exiles of Israel and and bring them back to Jerusalem and reestablish Jerusalem as a place of worship for the Lord, right? You remember that Israel was God's chosen people. Yet at the same time, they rebelled against him. They did their own thing, kind of like what we're seeing right now. They didn't follow his laws. They, they intermarried with other people. They worship idols. And finally, the Lord said, listen, we're in a covenant relationship. That means I'm your God and you're my people. The picture of it is marriage. I'm your husband, you're my wife. We have sworn, we've made oaths that we're going to be faithful to one another and you have not been faithful to me, says the Lord. You've not been faithful. Therefore, you're going to be scattered for a period of time. And they were scattered. They were scattered. They were given over to their enemies for a period of time. But after 70 years, three men rose up under, remember this, pagan kings, pagan rulers. Remember, God is in charge of the pagan people of this world. God turns the hearts of the kings, whether they're pagan or not. God turns the hearts of kings. He used these kings. These three men found favor with the kings. They went back to Jerusalem. They gathered back the people. They built the temple back up. They restored the walls so that Jerusalem could be a sovereign country again, so the worship of the Lord could begin again. But the people, in order to experience the renewal of this, they had to come to a place of repentance for what they had or had not done. So in Nehemiah 8.1, it says, All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. This is a starting point for renewal, repentance. 
We have to identify where we're out of alignment with the Lord. Nehemiah 8, 2 and 9. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. So the picture is this. They'd been scattered for 70 years. They'd forgotten the law. They'd forgotten all the feasts. They'd forgotten all all of the sacrifices. They had forgotten everything. And when they were re-instructed, they were so convicted of what they were supposed to be doing and what they were not doing, they began to weep and they began to cry. This is something that... Um, we don't always teach about in our church because sometimes we want to be real grace-based and we want to be real lovey-dovey and touchy-feely and all that kind of stuff. And heaven forbid, I don't want to bring condemnation to people. But you guys, if we're going to experience renewal, we have to get to the place where we identify in our own hearts how we are not aligned with the Lord. What have we forgotten that the Lord has taught us a long time ago and we've walked away from it or we've gotten complacent, this is the beginning of renewal, is repentance. And sometimes it's not just repentance for us. It may be repentance for our family, or for our country, or for our society. We may have to stand in the gap and repent, even when it's not necessarily us personally. We may have to stand in the gap and repent. There's one um, girl, I shouldn't call her a girl, woman, her name is, um, oh, you might know her. She works with the um, American, the Indians, Native Americans, and she, um, she walks the land and she repents for what was done to the Indians however many years ago to reclaim the land. Joan Stephenson, Jean Stephenson. She actually has a ministry, yeah. I know, I should go. The girl, Jean Stephenson. She actually has a ministry to reclaim what has been, for lack of a better word, cursed in our land, poisoned in our land by what the government did to Native Americans. And she goes and she stands in the gap and she repents for what was done. That's not wrong. It may not be comfortable, but it's not wrong. Sometimes we need to do that. We need to stand in the gap for our families. God, God looks at a broken and contrite heart. He honors that because it's a place of humility. What is scaring me now about what's going on in our country is that it's a place of pride. It's a place of rebellion. It's a place of rebellion. It's absolute rebellion. I heard the other day, I think Emma sent me the TikTok. It was some crazy nonsense about math being racist. Two plus two doesn't always equal four because that's too absolute of a truth and that equals racism. And I'm like, okay, I don't even know what to say to that. I don't. I don't even know how to reply to that. But I, here's what I am to tell you. There are absolute truths in this world. And I don't mean this to be harsh or judgmental, but I'm telling you right now, there's absolute truths in this world. I was reading in my Bible app before I came over, and it was just one of those, you know, those plans you have on your phone, the... um 
Bible app or whatever it's called, and I was doing the something through the New Testament, and I came through the the um, I came through the verse in Matthew where Jesus was talking about divorce. They're trying to trick him and say, you know, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus' reply was, and I'm like, oh, this is timely. He said, don't you know it was written? God created man and woman, male and female. And I just stopped, and I took a breath, and I'm like, that's the truth. There are two genders. And I don't say that to offend anybody. I don't say that to condemn anybody. <laughs> I just remember when Brian Fenmore was here at the very beginning of the year, do you remember the three, there were three things he said that God had impressed on him for the year 2021? One of them was that there'd be chaos in the government, which we've seen. The other one was that we were going to have to stand on the truth, that the truth was going to become very important. I think that's true. I think if we're going to have a heart of repentance, that means we actually have to um, agree that there are truths and falsehoods and things we do have to repent from. And what I don't like seeing in our country and world is this rebellion against this absolute truth. You know, I thought about it this way. If I, if I was Elon Musk and I built a Tesla or a car like a Tesla, right, and I was the engineer and I designed it and I know the components that are in it, I know what kind of gasoline it needs, or if it's electric, what kind of battery. I know if it needs oil, when it needs to be changed. If I know all the components, and I put this car out there, and somebody buys it, and they're like, um, I know that you created this, and that you made this, and that you, know, you put all this work into this, but you really don't know how to you know, work your car. I'm going to put, I guess I'll put like, you know, Kool-Aid in the gas tank and expect it to run. Would that not be foolishness? Would that not be foolishness to take somebody's creation and say, I know more than you do, and I'm going to do it different than the way you designed it because I guess I know more? Just the sound of that is pure arrogance. I feel like that's going on right now. I feel like that's going on right now. In Acts 3.19, it says, And now you must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed and so that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. Here's the thing. The thing about repentance, it always leads to a positive outcome. See, repentance isn't just, I suck, I'm a sinner, you know, I need punishment, whatever. That's not the picture of repentance. The picture of repentance is, oh my gosh, it's the prodigal son. I'm coming to my senses. I had it all wrong. I was walking in rebellion against the Lord. I can't believe I did it. Look where I'm at. I'm going to come to my senses and turn and align myself with the Lord. And what happens when we turn and align ourselves with the Lord, there's times of refreshing. There's a positive outcome when you align yourself with the Lord. It's positive. God doesn't want us to repent because he wants to beat us up. God wants us to repent because he wants to bless us. And he cannot bless us when we refuse to line up with what he says. He is the creator of this world. He put a law of reaping and sowing or the law of reciprocity. However you want to define that, there is a law of reaping and sowing in this world. And the reality is, like with the Israelites, God God wants to protect us. He wants his hand. We're his children. Even, even the ones that do not know the Lord, God wants to protect. 
He loves this world. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He loves this world and wants to protect us. But if we will not align with him, we block his hand of protection. We block it. I guess I beat that horse to death, haven't I? Paul says in Romans 12, too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That phrase, do not conform, is present tense. And what it means is don't keep on conforming. It actually means this is an ongoing action that you need to participate in. Chip knows he's a, he's a seminary graduate. There's all different kinds of tenses in the Bible. One is perfect. One is imperfect. There's um, ongoing. This means an ongoing action. This is something we have to, we have to um, decide in our mind that we're going to do is an ongoing manner, not conform to the world, but be transformed. It's kind of like we were talking about that drift in our marriage class. You either, you either purpose to go up or you drift down. That's the way it is with this. You purpose to keep your mind transformed or you're going to be sucked into what the world is saying about things. Am I right? Oh, on a whole side note, side note, sidebar, I played poker on Thursday and got second place. Woohoo! But in the meantime, I was talking to the people that were there, and I was, can I admit, a little dialed up by the mediation, by the Equality Act being passed, and I was like, ugh. Now, maybe the bar where I play poker is not the right place to discuss these things, but I did anyway. <laughs> and so we were having, I don't know, chicken, chicken nuggets or something, and I just said to somebody, I said, wow, they passed that equality um, bill. And that, and that person I was talking to said, well, you know why they did that? They want to reduce suicides for people that are transgender or whatever. So they're, that's why they passed this bill, because it's actually a good thing we're trying to reduce suicides. And, I, you know, you know me. I was just like, ooh. And I did not say anything. Praise the Lord. But what I want to say is, no, if we'd go back to the pattern the Lord has laid out for us, there would be less suicides. Suicide is from the enemy. It is not from the Lord. See, the enemy is trying to steal our youth. The enemy is trying to steal our future by, by taking us down a road of deception. And if we do not keep our minds continually transformed, we're going to be like that person who buys into that lie. Well, they're just trying to prevent suicides. Because that's what the world is saying, right? We've got to be smarter than that. The way to be smarter than that is to conform our mind to God's mind. Oh, man. Amen, brother. Number two, renewal is nurtured through genuine worship. Hey, who liked that worship tonight? Wasn't that good? Tina and Kelly did a great job. That was awesome. If we go further in Nehemiah, we see that the response of the people to learning about the law and to repenting was to actually engage in worship. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. That sounds like supper club, right? And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. They were weeping and they were crying. 
Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra, the teacher, to give attention to words of the law. They found out that they had been missing out on a really cool celebration called the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of the Tabernacle, where you um, came together for seven days. You built these. It's kind of like camping. It's like camping and church all mixed into one, a little bit. But they would bring, everyone from outside of Jerusalem and the people in Jerusalem would bring together and they'd build these little booths, these little tents, and they'd all have a seven-day celebration praising the Lord for the harvest. And so what happened was when they realized that they had fallen away from what, were, what was considered um, worship, the worship calendar, for Israel, they're like, hey, let's get back on track and let's start with the celebration of the booths and let's have a big seven-day camping event. Doesn't that sound something like, like something we'd like to do? That sounds fun, right? Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Here's the thing, you guys. A normal response to repentance is worship. Have you ever met anyone who has, has just accepted the Lord and they're on fire for the Lord? Have you ever, ever run into anyone like that? that you, you, you call them like honeymoon Christians in a way, right? Because they're so, they're wide-eyed and they're so excited and they're so happy because you know what? They've just been saved. They've just had a repentance experience and the natural reaction to repentance and finding out that repentance leads to blessing and repentance leads to freedom and repentance leads to destiny, when you find that out, you break out in worship. You can't help it, but you break out in worship. Has anyone here experienced that kind of, even a renewal time in the Lord? Has anyone experienced a renewal time in the Lord? Here, anybody? Yeah? It's very emotional, right? It's kind of like an emotional high. Um, that you don't, want, you don't want to let go of a little bit. We can't live in emotion, but you guys, we need to feel excited about the Lord. We need to worship the Lord. We see in, um, this is an interesting story. I didn't know this, but Mary, you know, um, there's the story of when Jesus went into a Pharisee's house and he was having supper. A woman named Mary, they're not exactly sure which Mary, came and she anointed his feet with very, very precious, it's called nard, it was oil. They say that it could have been a year's salary and with tears, and she wiped his feet with her hair. This was an act of worship because what happened was she'd been forgiven many sins. And because she had been forgiven many sins, her response was worship, incredible worship. Now she, you know, they are like, get rid of her. What is she doing in here? And she's like, leave her alone. She's going to be known for this act. You know what, guys? She's in all four Gospels because of that. All four Gospels she's in. I don't even know if there's any other story that's in all four. Do you know, Chip? Yeah. That's a big deal. And that was a pure, undefiled act of worship. There's a lot of ways we can worship. It's not necessarily doing this. There's a lot of different ways of worship. But the response, the one of the ways to um keep renewal alive, so to speak, or to pursue renewal is through a habit of worship. 
you know, I, <laughs> if Chris and I said, you know, it's just too hard to work on this kitchen, let's just stop and take a break, what would happen? We'd be stuck. The, nothing would be able to go because we, we would be halfway between here and halfway between there. We have to persevere through this. We don't want to, but we have to persevere through this. We have to stay on our kitchen people, and we have to say, when are you going to get in here? When's this going to get done? It's, an, it's a work for us, believe it or not. I mean, you feel like it kind of shouldn't be that people should just do it, but that's not true. You have to manage it. You have to work it. You have to buy the stuff. You have to price it out. You have to design. I told Chris, if I have to pick out one more thing, I'm going to shoot myself. Like, I'm like, somebody else coming and pick up the hinges. I can't do it anymore. Like, I think I have... Like 5% of designerness inside of me, it's all used up for the next year. Like I got nothing left. So if there's one more thing I have to pick out, one of you people is going to have to pick it out because I can't do it, right? But it's work. And if we decided that, you know, worship is too hard, it's too much to come into church and worship, I'm just going to stay at home. Or you know what, I don't think I want to get out and be with people. Or I don't want to do volunteer here X, Y, or Z. I would rather just not. I'm telling you, worship is a habit. You have to decide. I think that's one of the biggest agendas that we have to face with this COVID stuff is the underlying spiritual agenda is to isolate us, is to stop us from um, engaging with one another. Fear, thank you, fear of being around other people. What'd you say? Compliance. Control. Control. The enemy knows there's power in worship and there's power in community. And what is he going to come against? Worship and community. We have to be very purposeful before we give those up. We have to decide if we're going to give those up or not. I say that worship is the thing that keeps renewal alive in our hearts. And we have to decide that it's going to be a priority for us. And thirdly, renewal is sustained by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the good news, you guys. <laughs> when I look at repentance and worship, you can easily fall into a works salvation. If I do A plus B, it equals C, unlike the 2 plus 2 equals 5, whatever, right? We can come up with a formula for renewal. I don't think that's what's going on here, and you want to know why? It didn't work for the people in Nehemiah's time. After all of that, after Zerubbabel came back, and Ezra came back, and Nehemiah came back, those were not small feats. They came back and restored Jerusalem, and Ezra, you know, told everyone, stop intermarrying with the foreign people, and Nehemiah said, quit charging high interest rates to each other. You know, Ezra read the law and helped instruct them in the law. They were all excited. They all had these these incredible celebrations, and Nehemiah's like, well, I need to go back to my day job. So he went back to Persia, wherever he came from, and then he heard a disturbing report. One of the priests had allowed someone else to set up like a room in the temple. So the temple was now defiled. And then men were intermarrying with foreign women again. What? And then, you know, interest rates were whatever. Everything had fallen back to the way it was before Nehemiah and Ezra and Zerubbabel were there. What does that mean for us? This is, what, <laughs> this is what Nehemiah, he comes back, he hears this, he comes back, he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this. You get your stuff out of the temple. You quit remarrying, people, remarrying your people. You know, he kicked one person out because he was the son-in-law to one of their foreign enemies, so he kicked him out. And this is what he said, this is funny. 
I rebuked them and called curses down on them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. (laughs) I made them take an oath in God's name and said, you are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or for yourselves. Nehemiah was not happy. He was not okay. (laughs) What'd you say? He used his dad voice. And, you know, this could be disappointing to us if we just read it in the context of Nehemiah. We're like, man, these guys came back. They set everything up. God empowered it to come back. I mean, God got all these cool um, supplies from these foreign rulers who are not even Israelites. And, and God's favor was on this. And they restored the temple, restored Jerusalem, and these people still failed. And you know what I think the message is? This is the old, old covenant. They didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of them. They were truly in a work salvation, if you will. They were truly depending on themselves. We get something better because we don't live in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Because you know what? We do the same thing. We backslide. We sin. We get lazy. We get complacent. Is that not true? But, but the Lord is like, you know what? I'm not willing for this to rest on you guys because you obviously cannot do it on your own. So I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to put inside of you. This is what he says in Jeremiah. It's my favorite verses, 31, 3, 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. See, when the Holy Spirit comes, he writes the laws inside our hearts. He empowers us to worship him. He empowers us to go forward. It's not just on our shoulders anymore because we get to partner with the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5 through 6 says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Philippians 1.6, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced, I love this, that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's some good news right there. He's going to complete what he started. See that kitchen? That kitchen's going to get finished. Hallelujah. It's going to be done. It's going to be finished. We are not going to live in the middle land forever because it's going to be finished. And in your remodel and in your renewal that's going on inside of you, God is going to finish that. What do we have to do? We got to persevere. We have to partner. We have to be patient. We can't lose hope. The Holy Spirit is working it out in us just like he's working it out in our country, just like he's working out in our society. We can't give up hope. We have to persevere and be patient. Amen! Amen. (laughs) I know that my part is to replant of the places in my life that I need to turn from and realign myself with God. You know, I was thinking as I was writing this, I'm like, okay, Lord, what do I need to repent of? What's going on inside of me? that I need to repent of. Because here's the truth. God has a destiny and a plan for every one of us, and we get in his way. We get in his way with our sin and with our 
um, when we don't align ourselves with the Lord, when we're, when we're distracted and looking the other way, he can't do what he wants to do because we're not partnering with him. In order for him to completely do what he wants to do, we have to actually say to him in a humble way, Lord, how am I not aligned with you? What fleshly thing am I doing or believing or participating in that is actually pre- preventing me from going to the next level? So I had to ask myself seriously, what am I doing? One of them is that stupid social media crapola, right? Giving that more place in my life, I need to be disciplined. I want to be informed. I feel like it's important to be informed. I am not going to let it steal my joy day to day. Just not going to. That's a struggle for me. I thought about my interpersonal um, relationships. And what, what, how do I need to be more aligned there? And I'm like, oh, I need to be less critical and less judgmental. I need to be more love. I need to have more mercy and more grace. And that's also a discipline for me as well. I can easily fall into criticism. I can easily fall into judgment. That's my nature. That doesn't mean I have to live there. That doesn't mean that's where I land. Because guess what? I'm in control of me, right, with the help of the Holy Spirit. I get to choose to be more like Jesus. When I choose to be more like Jesus and align myself, I, I partner with the Lord to open up my destiny, to walk in my destiny. It scares me. It truly scares me to see what some people are reaping because of their rebellion to the Lord. I'm telling you what, you don't want to be crushed by the Lord. You want to partner with the Lord. Because especially if you're a Christian, here's the thing. I love how Bob Holloway says this. When you're a Christian and you allow, you say yes to God and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, you better watch out. Because he means it. Whether you meant it or not, whether you were like really for sure about what you were doing, God's like, oh, now I'm in. And now I'm going to start doing some stuff here because I want to bless you. So he's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to stop talking to you. He's not going to stop convicting you. He's not going to stop leading you. He will complete what he started. And some people don't always take that seriously. They don't know what they got into, so to speak. You know, but the Lord is serious about what he's doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's serious about it. And we get to be part of it. And here's the end, you guys. Because you said this. I need to trust God to do what he's going to do and be at peace. In my own life and in the world around me. I get to rest in him because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If his yoke is easy and his burden is light, why do I have heaviness? Because somehow I'm not partnering with him, right? I should be walking in rest and easiness because that's who Jesus says he is. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the benefit of renewal. That's why we want renewal in our lives, you guys, because it's easy and it's restful. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're teaching us how to go to the next place with you. Because I know this world needs us to go to the next place. We need to be the forerunners. We need to be the example. We need to usher in the Holy Spirit. We need to partner with you. This is a lost and dying world, and you are the answer. And we get to give out the answer, Lord. So I pray, Father God, that you would take us to the next place separately and corporately. 
Take us to the next place, God. Refine us. Mature us. Renew, renew in us a new heart, Lord, that we can follow you. And be blessed, Lord. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And we get to be blessed through renewal. We just, we just love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.